Hello guys, and welcome to this very special Kansas City version of the Low-Key Podcast. We have a very special guest from Blip Coffee Roasters, the owner Ian Davis. Join us as we talk about the motorcycle community they have, um, the story of his of his fire and his, his old building getting destroyed, and of course, coffee. Um, thank you for all, all, all of you who have supported us, who have been subscribing, who have liked us on Facebook. Thank you especially to those who got us 100 likes. Very excited. But if you want to become a supporter, follow us on Facebook. Like our, follow us on Instagram. Go like us on Facebook. Um, go check out our website at www.lowkeypodcast.squarespace.com. Also, if you want to support us in any other way, um, just click on the Patreon account. There, there's a Patreon account you can click on, and you can you can go support us in in that way. Become a patron. Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes now. So go subscribe to us. So let's get ready. Let's get excited for this very special Kansas City version. It's nice. It's easy. It's low-key. Let's get started, guys. Hey guys, and welcome to a Kansas City version of the Low Key Podcast. And I'm very excited for my guest tonight, or this afternoon. Um, it's Ian Davis from um, Blip Coffee Roasters. How are you doing, man? Doing really well. How are you? Good. I just weathered through a storm, so... Yeah, that's, that's what I hear. Yeah. Cleared I'm, up a little bit around here, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I just survived. That's, that's basically what I'm happy about, so, um, so, you own Blip Coffee Roasters, can you tell us what is, um, what, what is a coffee roaster? Uh, so we, uh, we import green coffee beans and roast, and, uh, we supply wholesale to different cafes, restaurants, office buildings, and then we also supply our own cafe here in the West Bottoms with beans, as well as retail boxes. Cool, man. Um, how did Blimp, uh, how did, how did, how did Blimp come about? Like, uh, well, I've been in, in coffee in Kansas city for about eight years. I moved to Charleston, South Carolina and was working in, uh, coffee and craft beer. Um, and when I moved back to Kansas city, uh, was just kind of tired of making other people money, I guess, uh, as an easy way to put it. Yeah. So, um, I had a, a pretty nice Toyota truck at the time and I sold that and went and bought my coffee roaster to us roaster Corps. Uh, picked it up down in Oklahoma City, um, came back and started the operations simply as as wholesale. So uh, again, just wholesaling to to different shops, and we opened uh, our first cafe uh, down in the West Bottoms of Kansas City, which is an industrial district right next to downtown. Um, I guess that would have been in uh, fall of 2014. Um, 
and shortly after we opened our very first cafe, it was kind of a funky cafe, a little walk-up shop right next to the roasting facility. And we had that open until January of uh, this past year, and there was a, uh, a fire above our shop. Um, and we, we've been shut down for, for several months, but we just got reopened in a new location, still in the same neighborhood in the West Bottoms. Uh, we just opened up the second week of April here. Nice. What, what craft brewery or craft beer did you, place did you work for, do you know? Uh, I worked for uh, Kudu Coffee and Craft Beer in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, nice. they, they mostly worked with uh, microbrewers, but uh, really had a, a fun time getting to getting to meet brewers like a uh, uh, like Evil Twin, uh, you know, Gypsy Brewers, and uh, so you know they were they were selling beer where you might you might only have access to one or two kegs of, yeah. of the entire brew. So, so are you originally are you originally from Kansas City or did you? Yeah, I was, I was born in Orlando, Florida, but I've lived in Kansas City and in, in the Independence area since I was about three years old. Oh, nice. That's cool. Um, can you? Uh, can you can you tell us you guys kind of have an interesting connection to motorcycles? Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about how you got that connection? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, again, it's it's got a couple ways that it worked itself into the business. Um, again, when I moved back from Charleston and sold my truck, uh, I brought my motorcycle back with me from Charleston, and so that was my only mode of transportation during the early stages of the business. So I've got a, a 1976 CB 554. It's a it's an old vintage Honda motorcycle, and uh, so I was I was riding that thing around, going to all my business meetings, you know, picking up samples of coffee. Um, you know, all the early stages of the business were done simply by getting around on the motorcycle. So it was a, a love hate relationship. You know, you had to jump on it when it was raining. Uh, you also got to ride it when it was gorgeous outside. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it kind of worked itself naturally into the business. And uh, from another perspective, uh, you know, Kansas City has, has a lot of really good coffee. There's, there's a lot of great coffee roasters here. Um, you know, we're, we're competitive across, uh, you know, not only North America, but across the world as far as uh, quality goes. Um, uh, speaking, speaking to the, the quality of uh, the roasters here in Kansas City. Um, and so... So again, working in the motorcycles is, is kind of a um, kind of a throwback to the neighborhood that we're here that we're in here in the West Bottoms. You know, we're in this very industrial, kind of dirty, grimy area, um, and uh, and again, it has a lot of potential. But but at the same time, a lot of our customer base isn't necessarily specialty coffee drinkers, uh, specialty coffee consumers. So, you know, we get truckers, we get uh, railroad workers, metal workers. Uh, woodworkers, I mean, you, you name it, you know, motorcycle guys, car guys. And so it's, uh, it's thinking outside the box a little bit on the marketing and a little bit of, uh, of who a specialty coffee consumer could be, you know. Uh, if you think about coffee consumption in North America, you know, I think it'd be fair to say somewhere around 80% of North Americans drink some form of coffee, you know, yeah. but that might be gas station coffee, that might be Folgers. Um, and specialty coffee really only makes up a small percentage of all of those coffee consumers. And so, again, I know it's kind of wonky, but, uh, you know, motorcycles kind of allow us to bridge the gap between specialty coffee consumers and, uh, and consumers who might know nothing about, uh, about coffee. That's cool, man. That's very cool. Yeah, because I used to be one of those guys that didn't know anything, and my friend used to tell me, you know, drink this. It tastes different. And then I'm like, it's just coffee. You can't, sure. you can't, you can't really, uh, I can't really taste anything, but the blackness of coffee. And yeah, absolutely. My, pal- my palate a little uh, more, but it changed. 
Because you got to keep drinking it and trying it. And yeah, so so the goal is to absolutely. I mean, I'd I'd still say we're considered a specialty coffee shop, and uh, and we definitely enjoy you know having those customers come down and find us. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's very important for me uh, as a business owner to to really stay true to the neighborhood that we're in and the consumer base that surrounds us. Um, and so, uh, you know, we have to. Uh, reflect that with a with our approachability. So that's in a price point of the coffee. You know, we've, we've got we we'll always have a two dollar cup of coffee. Um, you know, approachability of uh, you know whoever's working behind the bar. You know how the how the shop is laid out. Um, it's got to be got to be something where somebody can come in who isn't familiar with specialty coffee or for that matter even motorcycles and, and feel like they can come in and, and talk and have a conversation, and order a cup of coffee. Mm, yeah. Would you would you say that's that's uh, one of the the ways you guys are kind of different from from other shops or what what, what would you say um, how how are you different from from other shops? You know, um, it, it's a great question. I mean, uh, again, there's there's lots of really great coffee in Kansas City. Uh, I think that we just uh, try and put put the emphasis on you know our neighborhood, our community, and our city. Um, and that's and that's who we're trying to appeal to, and that's who who we're trying to appease. Um, you know, there there is a nationwide market. You know, there are new standards coming out for you know not only baristas but for roasting and, and what's expected. And I think those are those are all great. And you know, it's it's awesome to uh, you know be really high end. Um, but again, for for us, you know, uh, you know I I live and breathe Kansas City and. Uh, you know the the community that's down here in the West Bottoms, whether it's the motorcycle community that we have, uh, the neighborhood, uh, the coffee the coffee guys down here. It's uh, you know it's it's awesome, and, and I do anything for any of those people. That's awesome. Um, why why did why did you start to love coffee, and what what made you choose coffee? So the very first coffee shop I ever worked at was a little a little joint called Oak Street Coffee Shop. It was uh, it was over at 63rd and Oak, so kind of like um, East Brookside, and that and that area has seen a, a huge amount of development over the past you know three or four years. Uh, when this shop was there nearly eight years ago, um, so Oak Street Coffee Shop, um, you know it was it was a mom and pop coffee shop. Uh, at, at that stage in Kansas City uh, coffee culture. You know, specialty coffee was uh, was almost unheard of. You know, there were, uh, you know, the roastery was around, Broadway was around, uh, Parisi. You know, there there were still some really great uh, shops here in town. Um, but for the most part, instead of seeing like pour overs and uh, uh, oh, you know, a higher end coffee scene, you know, it was it was shops like Muddy's over by UMKC. There was a you know, a place called the Winged Cup. There's Oak Street Coffee Shop, uh, where in the River Market there was a shop called, uh, you know, Kansas City Coffee. Um, you know, you name it. There, there was still there was still a lot of coffee in Kansas City, but uh, it, it was just more of like a, a dingy mom and pop feel, college student hangout. Uh, you know, smoking cigarettes out front, kind of kind of spot. You know, it wasn't a. Um, it, it isn't the same culture that there is now, and so. Um, I really felt started falling in love with coffee at Oak Street Coffee Shop. It was a it was one of Broadway's uh, wholesale accounts, and so we were we were getting in really great coffees. And um, again, just that community that was able to be built, you know, in this little neighborhood shop, 
um, you know, by, by serving really good coffee and, um, you know, I mean, that was, that was where we all hang, hung out, you know, this was before, you know, any of us had cell phones and, you know, on a Saturday morning, you know, you weren't calling or texting your friends, you just roll out of bed and show up at the coffee shop and, you know, gradually everyone else would too, yeah. you know, and so you'd, you'd end up with all your, all your friends at the coffee shop and, you know, hang out, drink coffee and, uh, you know, figure out what you're going to do with your day, but, um, yeah, so I, I guess that's what, what really started me on the path of really enjoying coffee and, and seeing the uh, the benefits of how coffee shops can really, uh, you know, not only reflect, but uh, but benefit the communities that they're in. Yeah, what, uh, you, you, you talked about a fire. Can, can, can you tell us, like, what happened in the fire? The, yeah, the absolutely. So and we... Then, uh, and then how that impacted you? Sure. So, so we, uh, I think it, it happened on a... A Tuesday or a Wednesday or something like that, and uh, maybe around nine nine thirty in the morning, um, we first noticed uh, smoke outside, uh, and and so all the all the buildings in the West Bottoms are very big and very industrial, and, and most of them can you know easily be four five six stories tall. So we were on the first floor of one of these big old brick buildings, um, and uh, so I was, I was running the shop. I think there were about four or five people in the shop uh, when I first noticed smoke. And uh, we go outside, and there's there's flames shooting out of a second-story window, um, and it and it all happened very quickly. But uh, it was kind of a kind of a, a perfect situation, given the uh, given given the circumstances. Uh, you know, I grabbed a fire extinguisher and, and ran upstairs. Uh, a buddy of mine who owns a tattoo parlor was in, and he called 911. Uh, another buddy ran upstairs with me and started getting people out of the building. We, uh, we were able to figure out which door on the second floor, or where the fire was, which door it was behind. And, you know, I'm thinking, man, if I open this door, there's going to be flames shooting out, and I'm going to explode or something. And, you know, I, I open the door, and, uh, and I mean, it's just a wall of black smoke. And so uh, it was a pretty easy decision on my end just to close that door and, and get out of the building. And uh, so we get back downstairs, and, you know, honestly, I didn't know what to do at that point. Uh, you know, I can't move the roaster. Uh, you know, I can't pull an espresso machine out of the bar. You know, what what do you grab in this like hectic situation? Um, so I'm I'm literally standing in the middle of the street, and uh, and a good buddy of mine, a motorcycle builder, uh, Ricky, who owns uh, Anchor Moto down here in the West Bottoms, pulled up with his girlfriend Amber, and uh, he just starts screaming at me, and he was like, "And did you get the fucking bikes out of the back?" And uh, <laughs> And of course we hadn't, and so uh, it was a pretty, you know, everybody sprung into action. There were probably, you know, six or seven of us running through our roasting space, pulling motorcycles that we had just finished, uh, you know, through the roasting space down our front front deck. Uh, we, we were able to get, you know, trash bags uh, over the espresso machine, over the roaster. Um, at this point, you know, the fire department had showed up, and they're, you know, blasting water up above us, and water's starting to flow through, so we start... You know, we're throwing bags of coffee, we're throwing t-shirts, we're trying to get everything that we can just outside of the shop. Um, and, it, and it got to the point where we're, we're trying to yell at each other by, you know, stooping down. And, you know, you can see people's ankles, you know, that's, that's how thick the smoke got. And so, you know, finally we, we just gave up and, uh, and let the fire department, you know, do their thing. And, you know, honestly, it, it felt like a really long time, but uh, I think it, it all happened in probably less than 10 minutes. And so it... Uh, it, it was pretty rough. I mean, we were totally shut down. Um, you know, we had to cease, cease all of our operations. Uh, but the, 
you know, the, the thing that, that really surprises me and that really, uh, you know, uh, makes me, makes me proud of the community and, and the, the friends that we have down here is that, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of these people in this community, uh, you know, two years ago. And, and here I've got, you know, over a half dozen people running literally into a burning building with me to, to help salvage my business. Um, so about a, a week later, uh, you know, Boulevard Beer donated some beer and, and a lot of people came down and we pulled, uh, you know, we pulled all the beans out. We pulled uh, all of our equipment, lighting, you know, every, everything that we, could, that we could salvage, we pulled out of the space and, um, and immediately started work on a new space. And so uh, we were shut down from, from January to April, uh, but we got reopened in our new space in April. Uh, we're not quite back to roasting yet, but hopefully that'll be coming here in the next month or so. Um, and so it's it's been, uh, you know, financially devastating. Uh, but other other than that, uh, it's been it's been smooth. If that's a a fair <laughs> sentence to say. Yeah, it's it's really cool to just like hear that like the community that that that's something like a local shop like this meant so much to the community. And they pulled together for, for this one shop, and it's really it's a really neat thing to see, and kind of really just inspiring. So um, really neat. Uh, you said you guys are not roasting. Correct. Um, what what uh what do you miss about roasting? Um, you know that's that's how the business was started. So we didn't we didn't start as a cafe. We didn't start uh, you know doing anything else besides besides wholesaling to. You know, local businesses here in Kansas City and, and selling products online. Um, up until the fire, we had shipped uh, coffee and, and T-shirts, you know, all over. I mean, you, you name it, we've shipped there in the United States. Uh, we shipped to Germany, Australia, France. Uh, we shipped to uh, Isle of Man in the UK. There's several uh, Isle of Man TT racers who have bought shirts and, and coffee from us. Um, and so I guess... I guess the biggest thing I miss is, is the expanded community because, you know, not only did we did we get to sell and interact with all sorts of local businesses here in Kansas City, but, you know, we were shipping wholesale, you know, across the U.S. and then again those those retail boxes and T-shirts all over the United States and um, and so so yeah, kind of kind of missing out on those connections right now. Yeah, that is. That is. Um, what uh, why why did you choose? the location that you chose here instead of somewhere else in the middle of downtown? The, the easy answer is that it's really just a business decision. So yeah. um, <laughs> the, uh, the West Bottoms has a lot to offer, and as far as potential goes, you, know, you won't find a neighborhood like the West Bottoms in any other major market in North America. So you, know, you go to Seattle, you go to Los Angeles, uh, you go to New York, you go to Oakland, um, you know, you, you name it, uh, to have a, an area so underdeveloped, so close to downtown, uh, is really unheard of. So, I mean, neighborhoods like this, you know, again, you see it in, uh, in the Northwest, you see it, uh, in New York, you know, these, these neighborhoods were, were starting to develop in the seventies and eighties and you see them just exploding right now. Um, I guess a good example for that in Kansas city would be neighborhoods like, like the crossroads of the river market that are really starting to take off. Um, and so I guess the, the business decision on our, on our end, number one, is that I don't have any money, uh, so you got to find cheap rent. Yeah. Uh, number two, you know, you want to be in a neighborhood that can grow and expand 
And so what's what's neat about uh, the West Bottoms is that not only is this a, a neighborhood that has uh, an amazing amount of potential, but it's also positioned in a city and in a part of the country that uh, are also positioned to do a lot of growth. Um, and so, so, you know, easily the answer is I'm broke. Uh, <laughs> the, the fancy answer is, uh, you know, you've got more potential. Uh, you know, you can, you can see growth for the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. Whereas, you know, if you wanted to go to uh, a more saturated area, you know, you're, you're going to be spending way more money up front. Um, and, and you got to make that money now. Whereas, uh, whereas the position that I'm trying to put myself in is that, you know, we can gradually grow and expand as the city, as the uh, country, you know, continues to, to grow around us. Is there any, like, do you have any favorite brew methods that you like to do in particular? Or do Yeah. Um, the uh, So Kudu in, in Charleston, where I worked in uh, – South Carolina was a counterculture shop at the time. They currently just started their own roasting operations. Uh, but one of the one of the great uh, brewing methods that I picked up from from counterculture is a, uh, a Japanese iced coffee. It's it's kind of taken on the phrase um, recently of flash brew. Is how most people are hearing it. Um, but it's where you're brewing the coffee directly over ice, um, and you end up with a, a pretty light and sweet uh, coffee. And and especially in the Midwest where uh, you know, toddy is, is kind of the norm for iced coffee. Um, it's a little different. It's a, you know, again, like a lighter, sweeter option. Um, and, and that's not to say that I don't enjoy toddy. I absolutely love toddy, but it's a, just, just a little different. And, and right now it's probably one of my, my favorite ways to brew, you know, bright, sweet coffees. Yeah, I, I tried it. Uh, I think the last time I was here, it was really good. So it was quite tasty. Um, is there any... I know, like, specialty coffee people, like, love notes and stuff like that. Is there any notes or flavor that, notes or flavors that you love right now or that are hitting you and saying, ooh, ah? Um, <laughs> you know, there's been a, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there, there's there's just a lot right now. Um, you know, again, you know, you're seeing the, the coffee world expand. You're seeing uh, availability of coffees, you know, just... Uh, Explode! I mean, you know, when uh, the the coffees that were available in the United States, you know, even ten years ago, uh, were probably half as many as they have now. I mean, it's uh, you, you name it. You know, you can pick up the phone and call any importer, find almost any coffee, um, and so so the the options that are out there are kind of unbelievable. Um, there's a uh, uh, a, a couple coffees that were first introduced, introduced to me by uh, John Cates and the guys at Broadway Roasting Company. Uh, one of them was a, a Guatemala uh, Sampate from Lake Atitlan. Uh, a buddy of mine, Macy Pruitt, traveled with John to Guatemala to source this coffee. Uh, Macy traveled as the my buddy Macy traveled as the uh, translator. Um, and uh, and Lake Atitlan is probably just one of the most gorgeous uh, places in the world. Um, you know, it's a it's an old volcano, um, and it's got a giant lake in the middle. And so, if you can picture uh, coffee growing up the slopes of a uh, of a lake that's inside of an old volcano, and you're growing high altitude coffees, so you know anywhere from approximately 1,800 meters up, wow. you know you're getting strictly hard beans. You're getting great notes, um, you know, and it's uh, great producers that are uh, 
great farmers and great uh, you know producers who are putting that coffee out, and it's a uh, just just a lovely coffee. And so um, you know that that'll always be close to my heart for a lot of different reasons. But um, yeah, yeah. Any specific regions that that you favor? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a sucker for uh, for East African coffees. Um, okay. Right right now, there's um, I get, I shouldn't even say right now. I mean, you know, recently, you know, for the past almost as I mean, three, four, five years, uh, there's been there's been some issues with uh, exporting, uh, you know, African coffees from from different countries for various reasons, um, but. Uh, Again, a coffee that was introduced to me first by Broadway at Oak Street Coffee Shop was a, a Kenya Double A. Um, that uh, that it, it's hard to find, you know, these days. But it's a uh, you know when and when you can find it, it's usually too expensive for for my taste. But um, again, probably one of my one of my favorite coffees. That's awesome. Um, what is what is some uh, besides like besides coffee like in Kansas City? What are some of the favorite things you love to do in Kansas City or that you enjoy? So uh, a big emerging culture that uh, I've been lucky to be a part of in Kansas City has been the, the motorcycle scene and community here. Um, and so there's a, a huge emerging group that, uh, you know, never really had a, a rallying point. So we, the, the West Bottoms has kind of turned into that rallying point. And, um, you know, you're seeing uh, motorcycle builders, uh, you know, put out just amazing inspirational motorcycles you know we've, we've had guys in Kansas City uh, this past year get invitations uh, to the handbuilt show in Austin which is a, a huge motorcycle show that uh, invites are, are few and far between to get uh, and uh, you know you're, you're seeing all sorts of different builders too so I mean you've got uh, you've got even here in the West Bottoms you've got uh, choppers you've got cafe racers uh you know, you've got repair shops. There's a, um, a a really, you know, not to say that there wasn't a community here before, but the the growth in the motorcycle community in Kansas City over the past several years has been exponential. Um, and so events, you know, surrounding motorcycles. Uh, you know, last year we were the the host of the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, which is a uh, an international ride that that all falls on the same day. Um, and it and it happens uh, all around the world. So I mean, there's guys doing this in Italy, France, uh, Africa, Australia. Um, you know, everybody's riding on the same day, and it's a uh, and it it raises funding and awareness for uh, prostate cancer and suicide prevention. Wow. Um, and it's and it's an amazing event. Uh, the the theme is ride dapper, and so everybody you know cleans up their bike, you That's know, awesome. put on your suspenders, bow tie, uh, <laughs> you know. Pretty sick. Polish, polish your shoes, um, and we we were the host for that last year. Um, two years ago in Kansas City, it was hosted, and uh, I think they had approximately 25, 30 bikes. Um, last year, we didn't get a, an exact count, but we were looking at somewhere between 130 to 150 bikes that that left on that ride in Kansas City. So uh, we were extremely uh, happy to help promote that and fundraise for it, and it was uh, just. Again, just a, a really cool event that uh, Kansas City hadn't really seen. I don't think at that scale um, yet, and so that was that was pretty neat to see. It's pretty neat. I I may not personally know motorcycles very well, um, but what is what is your um, favorite motorcycle? Uh, 
or one you, you just extremely love? Man. Uh, Is that a hard question? It's, it's an extremely hard question. The, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be judged no matter what my answer. Um, so, so currently I'm on a, I'm on a vintage Honda. Uh, you know, it's one of those bikes that will start every single time. Um, I think this winter I'd love to get into a, uh, a Sportster 1200 and, and maybe do a, a, a build. Um, we're hopefully going to be working with Worth Harley-Davidson up north to do that build. Um, but, man, I shoot. I've, I've ridden a couple Triumphs recently, uh, a couple 900s that were uh, – it was like a dream, man. Uh, it, was, it was actually pretty funny. Um, we had on Thursday morning uh, probably some of the top builders in the United States came into the shop for coffee on uh, this past Thursday. Um, there was a revival analog um, uh, gasser. Um, I know I'm forgetting someone, uh, but they they all came through and, and we got to ride some really neat bikes. And uh, the the funny thing about that, you know, for for anyone who knows anything about bikes, uh, one of the custom builds had rear sets on it on this Triumph, and uh, so that just means that your your foot controls are, are placed much further back on the motorcycle, and. Uh, and so I'm, I'm riding around the block, and, uh, man, my hip cramped up so bad uh, from, from, uh, from having these rear sets. And so, again, it, it probably doesn't mean much to, uh, to non-motorcycle riders, but uh, kind, of, kind of hilarious. So I guess, I guess I'm just getting old. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what is, what is um, there's, there's something called Sunday meetups you guys do. I was kind of curious, what, what, what is that? Yeah, so we, we started this um, uh, a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago at our old uh, roasting space. Started with about four or five of us meeting up on, uh, on Sundays to go get, get coffee at the shop and then go ride. Um, you know, since then, we've, it's, it's been built, you know, by the community and, and by the riders here in Kansas City. And uh, uh, I'd, I'd say on average, we might get somewhere around 40 or 50 bikes a Sunday. Uh, you know, granted the weather is, uh, reasonable. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we just get together, drink coffee, you know, you see what different people are working on. Uh, you know, I, I think that, that for most people, what it is, is it, it really allows them a, a specific time to get away from whatever they have going on, you know, whether that's a uh, school or, you know, family issues or, or you name it. And, uh, you can just come hang out with a good, a good positive group of people in a positive environment, you know, drink some coffee, hang out. And, uh, and oftentimes we'll, we'll host rides, you know, we'll go somewhere to go get lunch or, or something like that. It's really cool. Um, so we do that every Sunday morning and, uh, you know, some people call it Sunday morning church, uh, you know, or, or blip church, but, um, but it's just, uh, you know, it's just a good time to come hang out and, you know, drink, drink some coffee, get caffeinated. Um, you know, meet up, meet up with your friends that you haven't seen all week. So that's cool. For the future, what what is what is Blip looking at? Like dreaming, or or what what it, what are you uh, looking at? You know, I'd I'd love to dream, but uh, you know, right now it's just keeping keeping the head above water. So we're uh, we're we're in our new space. We're back operational. We've been back at it for uh, I guess you know here going on four months in our new space. Um, we're hopefully getting back into roasting soon. Uh, we got the roaster about halfway hooked up. Just got some more parts in for it. 
Um, we got HVAC going in, which is exciting. Um, and uh, and yeah, just just trying to get get back to roasting, get back to wholesale. Um, you know, get get back to having our retail boxes available in our shop and again online. Hmm. Um, but yeah, just just plugging along. Um, you know, there's not uh, right now. We need to get back back centered uh, before we start start making any lofty goals. Okay. And how could how could uh, people support you? Uh, just just come in and get a coffee, or uh, you know, see what we have going on online. We we host a lot of events and. Um, you know, even if you're not in the Kansas City area, we've got we've got some cool swag up online. So if you guys want a hoodie or a tank top, or you know, we've got several different designs of T-shirts. Um, you know, we just got in some uh, some pretty rad patches. We've got stickers and uh, shop rags. Um, you know, hopefully some mugs here on the way shortly. And uh, yeah, that's cool, man. I, I always love hearing like owners that are driven towards the community a lot and um i think it's really cool your story and how how much you've been connected to this community the motorcycle community and outside of that in kansas city um thanks for being on man and um i've i've enjoyed your story and listening to it and everything else about you man cool i really appreciate it yeah have a good day (laughs) sweet